Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Week 8 Sunday recap. Got the super friends all lined up. Sean Wagner wearing a tight shirt. John Breach in double hoodies. And Ryan Wilson, a living internet meme, sipping his tea as he, if you were, you know, if you were a, like the little Kermit sipping tea, don't mind me. I tried to explain that to my wife. She's like, yeah, moron, everybody knows what the, the frog tea thing is. The tea lizard, as one morning show tweeted out that everyone got mad about. The tea lizard? Yeah, it was like, Good Morning America tweeted, like, tea lizard meme. And everyone's like, you know that it's not just like a tea lizard. And you know he has a name, right? <laughs> anyway, let's get into the football. Matt Moore. By the way, hi, John. Ryan, are you going to be the tea lizard for Halloween? And Sean... <laughs> Are you going to be Smurfette? <laughs> no, you know what? Don't answer that. We're going to come back to that because we actually were asked a Halloween question on our iTunes with a five-star review. Uh, we will get to that in a minute. I don't want to open the show with 10 minutes of costume chatter. <laughs> people will get mad about it. But I want to point out that if you do leave, thank you to everybody. We asked for reviews. You guys left a bunch of them. They were awesome. Uh, and if you, if you want to answer, if you want us to answer any question about, uh, like we got a couple of Brady Quinn questions, we'll answer for, uh, for Tuesday's show and we'll hit some tomorrow, um, as we recap Monday night football. But we will, you know, we'll get to these as they come in. But if you want to, if you want us to answer any question, leave a five star review and we will get to it. Let's get to the Chiefs and the Packers though. Packers 31, Chiefs 24. The Packers covered the five and a half point spread. Obviously covered the three and a half point spread that it was when there were rumors about Mahomes playing. The over 48 hit fairly easily. Um, and Aaron Jones, he was a beast. 33 fantasy points, the top fantasy player in this game. He accounted for 159 receiving yards and two touchdowns on seven catches and eight targets and 13 carries for 67 yards. Aaron Rodgers had himself a pretty nice little game. Um, and we'll get to more NFC North uh, matters in a little bit, but it's safe to say that the Packers and Vikings, uh, I believe, Sean, have established themselves as the top two teams in that division and probably going to battle it out down the stretch to see who ends up winning that division, right? Yeah, and I think it's obviously going to come down to when they play, uh, which is what, week 16, I believe, somewhere around there? Week 16 or week 17. Uh, and I, I firmly believe that these two teams will be within a game of each other because I think I have a hard time picking between which one is better. This is, though, the second straight week that the story 16. is not the – it's the second straight week. The, pack, the story is not the Packers' defense, which the Packers' defense continues to look fine, um, but definitely not the unit we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season when they opened up uh, looking incredible. But it's another game of Aaron Rodgers playing great football. And last week he had six touchdowns, five passing, one running. He had three tonight. And I think the thing that I really like about this Packers' offense 
is they really know how to use their running backs. And it's really important because they've, they've been down Devontae, um, Adams. I almost said Devontae Parker. Talk about him too much on this podcast. They've been down <laughs> Devontae Adams. Um, and so what they've done is instead of just relying on these, you know, uh, receivers that a lot of people have liked to hype up as potential, you know, fantasy sleepers and all that. Um, but they've, these receivers have never really demonstrated the ability to be a, a top wide receiver. Um, so what they do is they, you know, they use their running backs, I think, almost as good as any other offense out there. And we saw it with Aaron Jones. It's funny, three weeks ago, Aaron Jones drops that touchdown against the Lions where he's the, wide open. Wheel route out of the, the, I don't know if it's a wheel route, but he's out of the, yeah, out of the slot. Yeah. And everyone's just clowning him. Um, and now what we saw that they did on Sunday night is they just kept on repeatedly getting him on linebackers and really exposing the Chiefs there. And I just want to note, note, he actually should have had three touchdowns through the air. He inexplicably stepped out of bounds on one of them uh, where he didn't even need to because he was already burning um, the Chiefs linebacker in coverage. So I think that's the thing that's impressed me the most about the Packers, the way they've adapted with Devontae Adams out and just leaned on the running backs, not necessarily just as runners, but as pass catchers. I have two things, just two things to add about this game. Andy Reid is the best play caller in the NFL, and it's not even close. Matt Moore was 24-36, 267 yards, two touchdowns. He was going punch for punch with Aaron Rodgers. That touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey was amazeballs because he basically threw a Jeff Blake arm punt because Travis Kelsey had to get his head around. He ran the, he was running in the other direction. Perfect throw. Fantastic. There's nothing better than a 45-year-old man dropping amazeballs on the NFL <laughs> Yeah, we have a 12-year-old. That's how, that's how it is. By the way. I'll text my 12-year-old occasionally, like when he's downstairs or, or we're in different parts of the house. I don't like the way young people text. It's it's very – it's <laughs> not – Does he use, like, shorthand, like, you and, like, the letter U? And it's like, Dad, where, like, R and then yes. U? And you're like, like that. I said to him, I texted him the other day. I said, thanks for watching your brother. I had to run out for something, his younger brother. He said, The response was Y-E-A. Yeah. I said, hey, doo-doo head, how about you say thank you? When someone says, or no problem, or. You know, we had this actual exact conversation over the weekend about with, um, my, my niece, um, her parents were complaining that she texts exactly like that. She's, I think she's in, um, she's in sixth grade. So I guess she's probably like. Yeah, you're younger. She's 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah. Same, same sort of age. And they'll be like, they'll be like, Hey, uh, got you like a new, or like got you like a new, uh, you know, something or whatever. And she'll be like, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, but, you know what? They're like, how about a, the, the freaking exclamation point on there, Mary Brooks? Like, what's going on here? But that's how the kids talk these days. Anyway, so the, the maze balls with the, the t- touchdown throw. But Andy Reid, while being the best play caller in the NFL, is absolutely unequivocally terrible when it comes to deciding on whether to go for it mm-hmm. on fourth down. So let me bring you back. 513 to go. They're trailing 24 to 17. Uh, fourth and three from their own 40 yard line. Kansas City punts the ball, gets it down inside the two-yard line, and, you know, some people are clapping. Pete Prisco, I would imagine, is one of them. <laughs> and then the Packers proceed to run out the clock, and it, it's not even close. And I'm trying to figure out, like, I, I can't think of an analogy. Maybe Breach can do this. But it's sort of <laughs> like being up with one minute to go in a basketball game because there's probably, what, worst-case 40% chance you convert that fourth and three? I mean, I feel like you could do that 40% of the time. Being up with one minute to go in a basketball game or being down one minute to go in a basketball game at three points, and instead of shooting a three-pointer – there's some sort of math where you give the ball back to the other team. They get it in the corner of their own uh, their own side of the court, and they only have a 20% chance to score, and even though they're already up by three. <laughs> we should let Breach do the analogy. I want to try and guess Breach's analogy here. Uh, guess Breach's analogy. Uh, you have no shot. Okay, so this is the equivalent. This is basically like 
you're wrestling a bear. Okay. <laughs> and you've got the bear on the ground and he's like bleeding out of his head. And then you go and get a first aid kit and you like wrap up his head and yeah. then like feed him and nourish him back to life and then let him eat you. That's like what that's, that's, what, that's what, a much like, better, more succinct than my basketball now. I was going to say it is if you were at the bar and you're hitting on this hot girl and she's really interested in you and she's like, give me your phone number and you only give her six of the seven digits and you're like, you know, she'll guess that last number. Not a big deal. Because, hey, <laughs> she has an 11% chance of getting it, but why are you not giving her all the digits and doing the smart thing? Man, that was a grand slam breach. Well played. <laughs> Andy Reid, give Matt Moore the last digit so he has a chance. To hook up with the hot girl who was probably. I still want to know what Ryan's analogy was, by the way. There's something involving the quarter and percentages. I was trying to, the the like well, was trying to do the math. Like in no, no other sport would you give the ball away when you have a chance to win the game late just because you're. And I understand, you know, the, the percentages with being on the own side of the field, but you're on the 40 yard line. It's You're at the 40 yard line, and it's like you're the 85 Bears with like a questionable like offense. And you just had Matt game. Moore tearing up the, the Packers through the right. – You've been moving game. the ball all over the Packers. You're the best play caller in football, as Ryan points out. You have Damian Williams. You have Travis Kelsey. You have uh, Sammy Watkins, like a, a poor man's Devontae Parker, basically. You have all of these weapons. Tyreek Hill. You, you have Tyreek Hill, right. Your defense stinks. Um, you know, you've been getting some nice pressure on the blitz and like you've been better than usual the last two games, but you can't trust your defense to stop Aaron effing Rodgers. You run a play and get the ball to Travis Kelsey and go, go get seven and tie the game. It's, it's, it's terrible. Like it's, it, he doesn't seem to have a very good situational understanding <laughs> of where he's at at a current point in the game. Hmm. I, I do, Bold I do, actually, I do, what's that? Bold take. I don't think anyone's ever criticized Andy Reid for that before. Right. No, but I mean, like, I do think I've, I've thought about this recently. I sort of wonder if, you know, we talk, we talk about like, like Freddie Kitchens is calling plays and just oh, like lost in a sea of nothingness where he has no clue what the hell is going on during, during the course of a football game. And we will get to that in a minute. But I do wonder if like maybe Andy Reid calling plays for all these years has sort of killed his clock management ability. You know what I mean? Have someone he never, he never had it though. He, he literally never had it. And that's the thing. It's always right, been, he's always called plays. but it's well, always someone next to him that says you cannot go for it. You can't punt on fourth and three right here. That's all that person has to do. I mean, there's 42 coaches. So you tell me nobody's it's even here. Like too hey, many, maybe too many go like, Hey, too maybe many, too many. Coaches? It's just them. It's, it's like, it's it's not like Andy Reid is the worst at it, but this like there are a lot of other coaches that would have done what Andy Reid did. Like I like that doesn't absolve him of blame, but this isn't an Andy Reid specific problem. I mean, it is because that's going to be the thing that might prevent the Chiefs from going to the Super Bowl, assuming Mahomes comes back fine. But a lot of coaches, like we're going to talk about this later with you know the Bears and their how they handled the field goal, and even the Colts, even though they won, how they handled the field goal. This is just the way the NFL coaches work. They are so conservative by nature because they are so afraid of making a decision that people are going to say, "Oh, that lost the game because you didn't get it and the game ended." Hey, but John, they're, they're, they coach scared. John, let me ask you this: as a veteran reporter, you actually were a reporter before you came to CBS. So the question is going to be to Andy Reid: Why? Why didn't you go for it? And you know what the answer is going to be. He goes, well, I thought we could stop him, blah, blah, blah. What's the follow-up question to find out why he insists on kicking it in that GD situation where they had a, a legitimate chance to tie the football game? Well, I think in that exact situation to this game, because I think a lot of times if you throw general statistics at coaches like, oh, well, 
40 percent of NFL teams of the past 10 years have converted on fourth and three. And so you had a 40 percent chance. They'll look at you like you're crazy because that doesn't matter to them because they want to know what their team's done in that situation. They don't care what the rest of the NFL did because the rest of the NFL didn't have Matt Moore as their quarterback or, you know, it's not the same situation. But what you can look at is that exact game. So you would say, Andy, uh, did you see that? Did you watch the three Packers possessions before that? You guys didn't stop them once. They literally scored. The Packers scored every single time they had the ball in the second half. So what made you think you were magically going to stop them on this one drive when it's now the end of the fourth quarter and your defense is absolutely tired? They all looked like they wanted to pass out and die on the field. So I don't know why he thought that they were magically going to be able to stop them after they did not stop them a single time in the second half. And then also Andy Reid. He called a timeout with 2.41 left. That is literally the one number you don't want to call a timeout because if you don't call a timeout, it's a 40-second play clock. So they have to run a play. They could have saved the timeout until after the two-minute warning, uh, which probably would end up saving about 35 seconds, which means they probably would have gotten the ball back with like five seconds left. But at least you have a shot in a Hail Mary. Uh, it's just Andy Reid's late coaching is such a disaster. It, I mean, we've seen him do it in, in playoff games and clutch situations. Every single year we have this conversation and it's absolutely amazing. He is one of the smartest coaches in the NFL. We, you know, we've just agreed that he is the best player caller. He, top three if he's not the best. But the fact that he has not figured out this one issue and solved it and fixed it just blows my mind. That he hasn't brought someone in, that he hasn't brought in five guys in. He should literally, he doesn't need one guy next to him. He needs three guys next to him. One guy for timeouts, one guy just for the clock, and one guy to tell him whether or not to punt in the fourth down situations in the fourth quarter. It's insane that this has been hanging over his head for 15 years. Hey, um, not to, let's, uh, I agree. It's, it is, it's bananas. But I mean, like, we do need to point out that he was all, like, Matt Moore was great in this game. I mean, I know Ryan pointed out. I mean, like, it, but like, do you think that Matt Moore's play in this game, Sean, should cause them to be more patient with Patrick Mahomes returning from injury? I think they should have been, they should be patient no matter what Matt Moore looks like because the rest of the division's not good. We saw the Raiders, uh, play well against the Texans, but not win. So the Chiefs did not lose any ground. In the AFC West, uh, I think it's irrelevant how well Matt Moore's playing. But to your point, I, I mean, it, it's a loss, but I was really impressed by what the Chiefs did because uh, they took a guy who wasn't on an NFL roster until the Chiefs backup broke his ankle or did something to his ankle over the summer. And he takes this guy off the street and he turns him into, you know, going head to head with Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, it was four. Let's put it this way. It was 14 nothing in the first quarter. I assume most people, including me, thought this game was going to be a blowout. Like, I was not looking forward to having to live blog the remaining three quarters. It did not look like it was going to be fun. And then you're reminded, wait a minute, Andy Reid is a genius play caller. And he was so good, especially early, getting the ball out of Matt Moore's hands really quickly and just getting it to Hardman and getting it to Hill in space. And on the broadcast, Chris Collinsworth kept pointing it out. They kept on running these little plays where with the receiver alignment, they would have you know, they would dump the ball off to Hardman or Hill, and then Hill or Hardman would have three receivers in front of him who were already starting the block. So I, I said this on the previous show last week um, on YouTube. You give Andy Reid a mini by the 10 days. I just think he's so good. He's going to come up with a scheme that any quarterback can succeed in. And let's not forget a couple of years ago, he had Alex Smith playing like an MVP candidate uh, for half the year. Yep, he sure did. Uh, Chiefs have the Vikings next. Yikes. Um, that's a tough game to, uh, to come back from, to come back in. If you're Patrick Mahomes, I don't know that I would bring him back. Uh, the, meanwhile, the, uh, Packers 
will head to Los Angeles to play the Chargers in a game that will be jam-packed with Packers fans because they're like the second biggest behind the Steelers traveling uh, sideshow. That place will be green and gold. All right, moving along. Whoo, boy, did I pick the wrong team in this one. Look, um, I don't know. I don't think that we danced on the graves of the 49ers who were undefeated coming into this game. Um, but for whatever reason, there's a bunch of 49ers fans out there asking why we don't respect them. Um, and so, you know, look, if you think we, if you think we didn't respect the 49ers before this game, we're sorry. Uh, we respect it now because they curb stomped the Panthers. Kyle Shanahan, uh, of course, has a history against Carolina. Um, he was with Atlanta as the offensive coordinator there. 51 to 13. Uh, suffice to say, the 49ers covered the spread. Uh, the over obviously hit. It was 40 and a half. 49ers got it by themselves. And Tevin Coleman was a monster in the run game. We saw, um, Matt Breida leave, I believe, with an ankle injury. Coleman uh, handled the full load in terms of carrying the ball for this team. Raheem Mostert also got in the action. But uh, Coleman had 11 carries for 105 yards, three touchdowns. He also found the end zone on a 10-yard reception, uh, two catches for 13 yards. George Kittle, uh, six catches, 86 yards. Jimmy G, 18 to 22 for a buck 75, two touchdowns and one pick. Didn't need to do a whole lot. Kyle Allen perhaps maybe more importantly than the 49ers, uh, probably surrendered any claim, John, to the uh, to the right to be the starter even once Cam Newton is healthy. Yeah, this was the Kyle Allen's headed back to the bench game. And I was somebody who actually thought Kyle Allen maybe should keep this job because they were playing so well. But it's games like this where, you know, if the Panthers were in the playoffs, they're going to play a team that's as talented as the 49ers, as good as the 49ers. And Kyle Allen just doesn't give you a chance to beat that kind of team. Cam Newton does. That's the difference. Kyle Allen had he had no shot out there. I mean, I felt sorry for him. I almost turned the game off in the first half because I felt like Kyle Allen's parents like, oh, I can't watch this anymore. He's just getting beat up. Uh, Nick Bosa was out there just terrorizing him. He got sacked seven times. And, I mean, this game was over. If you were a 49ers fan who turned this game on, like, the second quarter, it might have already been 27-3, to and it was just celebration from there. So this was – the 49ers have been dominant all season, but this was definitely their best performance. And this was – you know, you beat the Bengals 41-17, to it's like, eh, it's the Bengals. You beat the Buccaneers 31-17, it's like, eh, Jameis Winston threw two pick sixes. I'm not impressed. But the Panthers have been so good all year – I, this was it. I mean, Brent, you hit the nail on the head. I, I wasn't completely sold on the 49ers. I am now. So I said this on the uh, YouTube preview show. Uh, looking ahead to the lines next week. Uh, Nick Bosa, three sacks. Oh. One of those interceptions that we've been talking about from, from Kyle Allen. Um, I said he went from being sort of the favorite for defensive rookie of the year to almost in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Richard Sherman basically said as much after the game. Um, fun fact, via – well, via me watching it, but it has to do with breach because it's a special team situation. Mitch Wisnowski got flagged for leading with his helmet, the punter, uh, taking out uh, one of the Panthers' returners. That rarely happens. I guess Wisnowski, Wisnowski is some sort of tackling machine, which sort of fits in with the rest of the 49ers' defense. Um, How do we feel about that as a fun fact? Sorry. Uh, one out of – Okay. Just, I, I give it four bonus points because it was special teams. Well, well, you know what? I give it a zero because I thought you were going to say fun fact. Sean left Tevin Coleman on his bench in our work fantasy league and lost by less than one point. And Tevin Coleman went. <laughs> Why do you think I was so mad about Andy Reid punting? I had Matt Moore. If he completes one more pass, I win my fantasy game. 
By the way, real quick, an actual fun fact. You can use that one though. Fun fact, Sean left Tevin Coleman on his bench and lost. Um, here's How another- is that not a fun fact that a, a punter led with his Wait, I didn't realize that Sean only lost by three-tenths of a point. Yes, correct. Oh, my God. That's by the way, I want to point out one more thing about the 49ers. Joe Staley's coming back. Uh, Kelly Witherspoon, the cornerback, is coming back. Mike McClinchy is coming back. And Kyle Juszczyk is coming back. So this team, which is very, very, very good, is only going to get better. Uh, here's a fun fact. Nick Bosa with his three sacks and a pick, uh, became just the third rookie since 1982 when the sack became an official statistic to record at least three sacks and an interception in a single game. He joins Julius Peppers from 2002 and Kevin Williams from 2003. And at 22 years old, Bosa is the second youngest player to record at least three sacks in a single game since 1982 uh, behind only Vernon Maxwell. And a third part of this fun fact, along with uh, Joey Bosa, who had two sacks, this is the second time since 82 that a pair of brothers each recorded at least two sacks in the same week. That's the only fun fact that's ever put me to sleep. So Yeah, that's job. called a boring fact. Those were three fun facts. <laughs> boring. I'd say like two and a half. It just went on a little too long, you know? Hey, you fun know, we fact, have fun fact that was more fun than Ryan's stupid fun fact. Uh, what are your feelings about the Panthers right now, Brenton? Eh, I'm not that worried about it. I mean, look, I think um, the 49ers took care of business. They... I mean, they stomped him. Right? Like Kyle Shanahan had, I know we're all, uh, you know, all a, a Twitter about Andy Reid's play calling. Kyle Shanahan had a kitchen sink game, and that was a that was a I'm going to throttle you in in here. Uh, people think that we sh- we're not as good as we are. Um, by the way, the Panthers probably not fans of Levi Stadium. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe not huge fans. <laughs> don't blame but, Cam. Don't blame Cam this time. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty clear, like, I'll be curious to see if they try to bring Cam back this week. You know, I mean, he was going to spend time with the trainers this week. He was on the sidelines, encouraging his teammates, yada, yada. Uh, very good. Tons of Fox shots. That's why they didn't want him traveling too much. Like, if Kyle Allen's playing great, they didn't want Fox cutting to a sullen Cam on the sidelines and, you know, li- you know, creating fever dreams for rednecks around North Carolina who now have to face the reality that it's time to go back to, to Cam. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays in, uh, two weeks against the Packers. I don't know if they'll play him this week against the, the Titans. But look, the Panthers are probably a you know second tier NFC contender. They're probably not going to win the division, but I think that they can still be a wild card team. And if Cam can be, get back and be healthy, he gives them that that you know that upper echelon ability. Um, can I be clear about something as well? I've been on the 49ers bandwagon for quite some time. I see some of our Facebook comments on the pick six page on the Facebook. Oh, anyway, you can go join that private Facebook. Facebook group. Facebook.com and search for Pick Six Podcast, and then you can apply to join. And Debo Mayor may or may not Debo will be like the dude from Gladiator, thumb up or thumb down. The Joker. Uh, but I've been on the San Francisco bandwagon for quite some time. So those of you angry, I think you probably should be directing that anger at Brenton and most, me. And they most, have most points by the scored by the 49ers in a game since 1993. Mm. That, is, that is Sean pretty- was zero to uh, to answer the. Whoever was on Twitter asking why we don't respect the 49ers, I think we all respect them. I think the reason why so many people, not just us, have been hesitant to embrace them is because while their defense has been tremendous, you look at the quarterbacks they've played, and it's Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff. Was it Colt McCoy for the Redskins, or was it Case Keenum? Whoever played in that one, um, and then it was Kyle Allen, um, obviously, on Sunday. So, But this is what I'll say, is that they've – 
the mark of a great teams, they always say, is the ability to hammer bad teams yep. um, and, you know, run up your point differential and all that. And they have completely done that. And for that, they deserve credit. The next step that we have to see is what happens when they face a really great offense. Unfortunately, we're just, I don't know when we're going to see that because they play the Cardinals uh, next. And, look, we all love what Kyler Murray's doing, Cliff Kingsbury. I think they've already won more games than we thought they would. Uh, but I would expect the 49ers to roll in that game. Maybe it's against the Seahawks. Um, but I, I think the 49ers are a better team than the Seahawks, so I'll say that. I want to throw one more thing in. I think Bruce Irvin must listen to this podcast because after the game, he was asked, hey, how good do you think the 49ers are? And and mind you, his team just lost 51 to 13. So you think he might compliment them? He said, quote, they're okay. They're okay. They're not world beaters. End quote. You Uh can't get a 50 burger bombed on you. They'd be like, that team kind of stinks. Technically, they haven't beaten everybody in the world. So he is not wrong. Um, there's a stretch of games. So they get the Cardinals on Thursday, then the Seahawks on Monday night at home. That, that, that's, yeah, that's a big game. Uh, Cardinals again the week after that. And then they have, uh, Packers, Ravens, Saints. So the hmm. Packers, Ravens, Saints will be an interesting test for the 49ers. But look, they look legit and, um, they mauled the Panthers. This game was never close. 6.2 uh, yards per play for the 49ers, 3.7 for Carolina. And Carolina was two of 13 on third down. Um, Doubled him up on on first downs again. Raheem Mostert's ripping off touchdowns late. It, it, it was a bloodbath. Moving along, the Patriots beat the Browns twenty-seven to thirteen. Um, if Freddie Kitchens was your head coach, Sean, what would your confidence level be in your team? Zero. And the the thing is, is that. You look at the score, and I think a lot of people would assume, oh, you know, the Patriots completely outplayed the Browns in every area of the game. It was never close. And it wasn't ever close. The reason it wasn't ever close, though, wasn't because the Browns couldn't move the ball. Uh, I actually thought the Browns had a very good offensive approach, was we're going to use Chubb, and we're going to run right at them, and they're not going to be able to stop us. And that is actually true. The Browns averaged 7.2 yards per carry, and they carried the ball 22 times. So they racked up 159 yards on the ground. The Patriots' defense actually did have problems uh, up front, uh, which was a good strategy because we all know the Patriots' secondary is the strength of their defense. Don't let Baker throw interceptions and all that. The problem is this is just exemplifies the Brown season. They have so much talent, and they are so sloppy, and they make the dumbest mistakes. There were three straight plays, offensive plays in a row, where they turned the ball over. There was a Chubb fumble, and then the Patriots score. Browns get the ball back. Chubb rips off this really long run, and it looks like he's going to score what, like a 60-yard touchdown, whatever it was going to be. And then from behind, Jonathan Jones knocks the ball out. Patriots recover. The Browns get the ball back, and Baker Mayfield throws an interception on a shovel pass, which I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen before. Through a defense was- lineman. Right. It was one of those plays where if this had happened under Hugh Jackson, you know, more people would be dunking on them. That's so Browns own 16, all that. The fact of the matter is the Browns are just as sloppy as they were under Hugh Jackson. And they shouldn't be this bad. And then you add, you know, the nail in the coffin is every coach I feel like has now finally understood you don't challenge pass interference. Freddie Kitchens again did it for offensive pass interference. And the reaction to every, everyone was like, why is he challenging that? There is not a shot in hell that's being overturned. It, it's just, it's really, it's frustrating. It wasn't even, it wasn't even like, even if, even if these, uh, the officials were overturning them on a regular basis, it was still a bad challenge. Like, it was like, it was like, like Tony Romo and Jim Nance were like, he's just not going to win this. Like, and, I, and that I, was his final challenge of the game too, because he had lost one earlier. And he so, also, by the way, this is an all timer in terms of stupidity from Freddie Kitchens. 
Um, it's fourth and 11. And Tracy Wolfson sort of, she reported on this, but did it in a way that was like, she said the rumor on the Browns sideline, which, which leads you to believe that people are like, what is going on here? You know, they're like chatting about it. Fourth and 11, he sends out the punt team. The punt team purposely false starts. Like on purpose, they go out there and false start. They're flagged for it. It stops the clock. They then, he then sends out the offense to go for it on fourth and 16. He did that because he didn't want to use his final timeout. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in terms of a coaching maneuver. He had his team on fourth and 11 purposely false start instead of using a timeout. So that way he could then go for it on fourth and 16. It's maybe something dumber. Oh, and how about the fact that before he makes that dumb decision, why is he even sending the punt team out there? It should be an automatic go situation. Just go on fourth and eleven. You think so you've got that, a better play call on fourth and sixteen? What is the matter with you? So Kitchens challenged the the offensive pass interference call. That was with thirteen twenty six to go in the fourth quarter. That's when he was out of timeouts. And the playing question was Antonio Callaway, three yards downfield, setting a pick, probably twenty five feet from Freddie Kitchens. Who must have thought he was one yard away, which is which is within the rules, and, and that clearly didn't happen. Let me ask you this: coming into this game, everything stays the same except that Bill Belichick's coaching the coaching the uh, Browns, and Freddie Kitchens is coaching the Patriots. Everything else is the same. Who are you taking to win that game? Browns by Browns. thirty. By thirty. I, mean, I don't even think it's close that you're taking the Browns to win. I mean, the game might be closer than 30 points, but I don't think anyone's being like, you know what? I'll ride Freddie Kitchens. Because first of all, he's calling plays for an offense that isn't very good in New England. They don't have anyone to throw the ball to, really. Mohamed Sanu played um, after being traded on Tuesday, and he was fine. He wasn't like a, a game changer. The defense was giving up a lot of running plays, and I could imagine that Bill Belichick's going to run the ball all day, not do stupid things with Baker Mayfield, find a way to get Odo Beckham involved. And it just points to, when we were talking about this with Andy Reid, if you have a good coach that can mask a lot of things, Freddie Kitchens, maybe not so secretly, is one of the worst coaches in the NFL. But in what you were talking about, Ryan, if you flip these coaches, you look at what the Browns did. Like this was the perfect game plan if it had been put out correctly, if they had run it correctly. But the whole thing is just a disaster. It's been a disaster all year. It's been a disaster every week. And it's now turning into the old Browns where you're like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do this week to F everything up because this team is horrible. Uh, and Sean was talking about those three turnovers. Let's So they Patriots won this game 27 to 13. They got two touchdowns in the first uh, in the first quarter. So they got two touchdowns in the first quarter. I wasn't sure if the second touchdown came early in the second quarter. They got two touchdowns in the first quarter. Their offense went a total of 11 yards to get those two touchdowns. If you give the Patriots offense, and then you only lost by two touchdowns. Like, just wrap your head around that, about how well the Browns actually played, except they made six dumb mistakes, and you can't even make two dumb mistakes against the Patriots and expect to win. And they just kept making them. So besides those turnovers, and you're like, oh, well, I'll give Freddie Kitchen some credit because it's not his fault that – his offense can't run what he designed, but then Freddie Kitchens is making dumb mistakes in the second half, and you're like, well, I'll just blame everyone. So it was just a disaster, but this is something I bet the Ravens were watching this game thinking, hmm, this is something maybe we could do, and maybe there are some things we could exploit there that the Browns did, except the Browns didn't do it well because they're the Browns. So funny. The, the Browns uh, averaged 5.3 yards per play. The Patriots averaged 4.8. Cleveland averaged 7.2 yards per rush in this game. Um, they had 15 first downs, Patriots had 19, but they, 
13 penalties, six false starts, three turnovers, two challenges that he lost, um, a bunch of bad play calls. They had the penalty on the punt thing where they went for it on fourth and 16. Uh, and they did this all coming off their bye. This is a very, very, very bad look for Freddie Kitchens. The biggest loser in this game not playing for the Browns, Mike Nugent, because he's not, not going to get a Super Bowl ring because they're going to cut his butt. <laughs> I do want to point out because Breach brought up the Ravens. So obviously they get Lamar Jackson next, and Lamar Jackson was the last pick in the first round of the 2018 draft. This Patriots defense has been facing all of the quarterbacks, the, all the hyped quarterbacks from that 2018 draft class that everyone was so high on. It, and, you know, the verdict's still out on a lot of these guys. This is what they've done to them. Josh Rosen um, in week two, seven of 18 for 97 yards and a touchdown, a 33.8 passer rating. Rosen was the 10th overall pick. Josh Allen in a, in a close game, uh, but he was 13 of 28 for 153 yards, three interceptions, and a passer rating of 24. Uh, and then you go to Mayfield today, 20, 31, 194 yards, a touchdown, interception, 79.2 passer rating. And then there was Sam Darnold that we all remember, the seeing goes comment, which was one of the worst quarterback performances that I think we all uh, remember in recent memory, at least on primetime. So it'll be – I'm just kind of fascinated by that angle of Belichick crushing young quarterbacks, second-year quarterbacks, and interested to see if he can do it now with Lamar and completely shut out that draft class. Um, one thing quickly, just to prove that Bill Belichick is not perfect, I was thinking about this in the 49ers game. The, the Patriots could have drafted Debo Samuel, who went off today, and he's sort of a sneaky slot guy. He can actually play anywhere, all four downs. He would have made a lot more sense than Nikhil Harry, who still hasn't played yet, who's more of a Anquan Bolden type. Um, and that could have solved some of their issues with wide receivers because Debo Samuel's contributing a lot in an offense that shouldn't be as explosive as the Patriots offense. Area draft analyst questions Bill Belichick's chops when it comes to putting together a team. Put it on the board. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll rip through the rest of these football games. NTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okie doke. Texans 27, Raiders 24. A huge win for Houston as they keep pace with Indianapolis. The Raiders cover plus six. The under actually hitting this game. Very annoying. 51 points over his 51 and a half. Vegas is very good. Deshaun Watson had a very nice game, including a ridiculous pass, uh, after he was, uh, they got rid of the, the whole, uh, down, like they stopped whistling him down and, uh, he, he ripped off a touchdown pass. He finished the day 27 of 39 for 279 and three touchdowns. Yes, including, that's right, uh, being kicked in the eye. Bad news for Houston out of this game, however. J.J. Watt tweeted after the game, this game can be beautiful and can also be brutal. Absolutely gutted that I won't be able to finish the season with my guys and give the fans what they deserve. I truly love this game and can't stand letting you guys down. Thank you for all the thoughts and well wishes. He went to the hospital immediately after the game, had an MRI. It's believed uh, torn pictorial, I think, is, is what's going to knock him out for the rest of the season. Derek Carr, 18 of 30. Yeesh. 285 yards, though, three touchdowns, including a long one to Hunter Renfro, uh, my uh, less uh, properly coiffed. Um, long lost cousin. 
Long lost cousin. There we go. DeAndre Hopkins finally had a decent game, but no touchdowns. 11 catches, 109 yards. Uh, Darren Fells had the two touchdown catches for the Texans breach. What, uh, oh, by the way, and Gary and Conley, who they, uh, traded for, uh, got roasted on a touchdown pass, uh, that, that somebody threw and then came back and made the game winning, uh, 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 uh pass defense. And he's letting me know about it on Twitter because I, I posted a picture of him. Uh, getting he wasn't re- in coverage on that one you tweeted. At. That was disrespectful. You tweeted him about that. I didn't add him. He, but he. Oh. he Brinson tweeting something out of context. He would <laughs> never. Gardner Menchu getting off an airplane. Uh, I will say this game kind of played out how I thought it would, except I actually picked the Raiders to win by this exact score, twenty-seven to twenty-four. So it, so it didn't play out. E- the way except they. Well, it played out in the sense that I thought Derek Carr would be able to take advantage of the Texans secondary, and he did. I feel like Derek Carr has been a little bit better than we thought, which probably isn't saying much because we had pretty low expectations for Derek Carr going into the season. But when his guys are open, he hits them. I know that should be normal for a quarterback, but, hey, Mitchell Trubisky can't do that all the time, so it's not something every quarterback can do. And he's been throwing downfield more, which is why we're seeing guys like Darren Waller. Uh, you know, like We've seen the receivers putting up better numbers. Hunter Renfro's helped him out a lot. So, I think the difference here was just that Deshaun Watson, I mean, if we, if I can appreciate one thing this season is the way Deshaun Watson has almost single-handedly kept the Texans in games that maybe they either shouldn't have won or shouldn't have been in. Starting week one against the Saints, he scores that touchdown on the final minute that we all forget about because then Drew Brees drove them down there to get that field goal to win 30-28. And, and same with this game. They almost blew it at home against the Raiders, Deshaun Watson, not only does he throw this touchdown pass, but as Ryan mentioned, he got kicked in the face. The shoe went through his face mask and hit him in the eye. He had to wear a Band-Aid over his eye in his press conference, and then with one eye open, he threw the game-winning touchdown pass. I mean, that is pretty – if nothing epitomizes Deshaun Watson's season more than that, he was so good in this game, it almost makes me want to jump back off the Jaguars bandwagon and not pick them to win AFC South and go back to Houston. I'm not quite ready to do that. Uh, I do think the loss of J.J. Watt obviously is going to hurt because J.J. Watt, and he's been having a good season. But again, it, this team revolves around Deshaun Watson. And if Watt and that pass rush isn't there, then fine. They'll just have to play in shootouts, and Deshaun's proven he can do that. Yeah, to Derek Carr's credit, he absolutely destroyed the Texans secondary that wasn't out there in the field at all for 60 minutes. Uh, so losing J.J. Watt, no secondary, that's sort of a huge issue, and you do have to hope that Deshaun Watson can do everything. Um, this is a fun fact, whether you like it or not. 27 years old, 143 days, Dre Hopkins is the third youngest player to reach 8,000 receiving yards in his NFL in NFL history. Only Randy Moss at 26 years old and Larry Fitzgerald at 27 years and a few days younger were younger. So take that. Uh, thank you. Uh, the Texans were losing a lot of guys to injury, but yeah, I think they could be involved in shootouts. Who would you take right now, Texans or Colts, Sean, if you were picking for the division? The Jaguars Texans. think is a joke. What? I mean, I've, I've been on the Texans since the beginning of the season in the last couple of weeks, and we'll get to the Colts, I assume, soon, but yeah. I wasn't impressed by what the Colts did, even though they won. I guess the Jaguars and Titans are both four and four. They're not dead. No, That's the most dead. Titans thing ever, too, is that, like, They've looked so bad, I feel like, for so much of the season that I've, I didn't even realize they were 4 and 4 until you said that. Like, I figured, oh, they're completely done. And somehow they're looking a game back. Sweet. Jesus. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, I mean, we'll talk about that. Ryan Tannehill's played well for them. Suffice to say, my friends, uh, are getting a little nervous about this Colts nightmare situation unfolding where they're 10 and 6. 
in second place in the division and we lose both bets. Um, looking likely, looking almost likely. Speaking of the Colts, um, wait, let me ask one quick question because we grilled Andy Reid. John Gruden, four minutes left, had a fourth and 16. Oh, he went for it. He punted. He, he punted. punted. Yeah. I know that the, um, punt bot said, and he was losing, he was losing 27 to 24. I know the punt bot said you're supposed to go for it, but I mean, what's the probability of converting fourth and 16? Where it's tough. Yeah. I, I, I understand it. I don't know if I would agree with it, um, but you can understand it. It's not a fourth and three. Right. Did, um, did they melt the clock after that? I can't remember. Uh, the Raiders never got the ball back. The Texans ran out the clock. Well, then yeah. I think he should have went for it. <laughs> right. Should have gone for it. No. Probably should have gone for it. All right. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts won a football game. They took care of business 15 to 13, a real scorcher between Jacoby Brissett and Joe Flacco. They beat the Broncos. The Broncos are now two and six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your jokes off. Colts five and two. Marlon Mack, 19 carries, 76 yards and a touchdown. Jacoby Brissett, 15 to 25 and 202 yards. Nothing crazy flashy in the passing game. Um, Joe Flacco afterwards called out uh, the offense, said they're not aggressive enough. And uh, the Broncos should have won this game. I don't even know how the Colts won this game. Honestly. So let me lay this out for you. Fourth and five, Denver punts from their from the Colts 43 with 153 to go, and they're winning 13 to 12 against the uh, against Denver uh, against the Colts. Pathetic. What's that? That's pathetic. And so the next play. It's down, they down it inside the five yard line. The next play is when Jacoby Brissett just avoids uh, a safety, runs around like crazy, throws a bomb down the right sideline for 35 yards to T.Y. Hilton, and that gets things going. And uh, you know, eventually, it ends. I don't want to spoil it. I'll let John tell how how the story ends, but it ends in fantastic special teams fashion in the Colts' favor. And, and real quick, that fourth and five that Ryan just mentioned, Flacco was mad because coming out of the two minute warning. The Broncos had a third and five. The Colts had one timeout left, and Flacco clearly wanted to go for the first down. But instead, the Broncos said, nope, we're just going to run it up the middle. If we get it, we get it. But we just want the Colts to use their last timeout. So they ran it up the middle. No gain. Colts used their last timeout. So that part of the plan worked if you're the Broncos, but that's a dumb plan. And then that is where uh, they get to that fourth and five, the punt that Ryan was just talking about. But, yeah, so the Jacoby Brissett thing. And here is the thing, because we're going to talk a lot about this with the Bears-Chargers game, so I don't want to ruin it, but Frank Reich, I mean, he is lucky they won because this was an absolutely atrocious decision. I mean, Mm -hmm. this was – okay, so they get down the field. They have a third and nine at Denver's 33-yard line. So they're set up to try a 51-yard field goal. Excuse me. Sean and I just hit puberty together. Um, Way to go. Why are you bringing me into this? But, he, hasn't, okay, he, he hasn't hit I'm puberty yet, I'm just sitting here listening to you tell a story, and I'm getting dragged now? <laughs> like, come on. All right, so you have 32 seconds left. Wait, wait, wait breach, breach. You're skipping one. They had, a, right, a minute 13 left at the third Oh, yeah, five. yeah, yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. So a minute 13 left. They have a second and 11 at the 35. So your kicker, Adam Vinatieri, has already missed an extra point. He's already missed a 45-yard field goal in this game, and I don't care if he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. You go by what you've seen in that game, and there is no guarantee that he is going to make any kick beyond 40 yards. And right now, you're asking him to make a 53-yarder, which is where they are at the 35-yard line. So they could have thrown the ball. They could have tried to move the ball forward. Instead, they didn't. They ran 
Jalen Mack straight into the line on second down, uh, and they gained two yards. Now they're third and nine at the Denver 33. Marlon Mack up the middle. No gain. Now they're still at the 33. So instead of trying to get Vinatieri closer, they say, you know what? We're just going to put it on the leg of our kicker, our, our 47-year-old kicker, and have him try a 51-yard field goal. We're not going to try and get this closer. And, uh, you know, lucky for Reich, no one's going to be second-guessing him because Vinatieri made it. But, wow. I mean, it was just – it was uh, – for a special teams guys, a depressing end of game sequence. Reach, all I, um, all I, seven I, games for the Colts decided by one score. Ooh, that's, five and two in those games. That's, that's actually problematic. Can I remind you all of the Bruce Arians theory of backing up the kicker so he can make the <laughs> kick dummies? And also, he made a 55 yarder previously for each in that game. Adam and Terry, did you even mention that? He did, uh-huh. defending, are you defending what Frank Reich did at the end of the game? It, that was atrocious. No, no, I, of course. I'm. <laughs> Yes, Bruce Arians' idea to back up kickers is brilliant, Sean. That's also yes. about uh Joe Flacco's comment. Like, I don't disagree with him if you look at the play calls that they actually had in that final series, but I would think the Broncos would be willing to be more aggressive on offense if they felt like they had an adequate quarterback. So well, the great irony is that Flacco was more animated in that post game press conference than he was in that final play where he got absolutely plastered because he was standing in the pocket like he was ordering a beer at the bar. He got <laughs> annihilated on that last play. It's Do you like think? A guy, I was going to say just, it's a guy standing at the bus stop, and he just gets run over by that bus because he's just <laughs> <a bus stop. laughs> I was going to say, do you think Vic Fangio just wants to respond like Joe? How do you expect us to be more aggressive? You're our quarterback. Like, what do you want us to do? Throwing it is just giving the Colts a free timeout because you're going to get sacked or thrown in completion. So uh, I think he does want to say that. Uh, let's get to, to the, uh, you mentioned the Bears Chargers game. Oh, so, boy. Let's get that over with. <laughs> yep. Uh, Sean, I got I some take good your medicine. news. I got some good news and some bad news. The what, good news the is, good news? there's no good news. <laughs> it's all bad news. 17 16 Chargers beat the Bears in Chicago on a missed last second field goal. Oh, the sweet, sweet, delicious irony. Philip Rivers takes down. Oh, Phil, look at this. Everything's coming together. Philip Rivers, the guy you mock every week, walked out of there with a big old smile on his face because your kicker sucks and your coach sucks and your quarterback sucks and the whole team sucks. The Bears are trash. Of course, they ruined my prediction that they would win this game. Um, I can't believe you thought they would win this game. Well, they should have won the game. I was right. I was right about this game. I, everything. You, you were wrong. They lost this game. No, it's like that's, Greek, uh, said, that is the only good news is that you were wrong. I'll take being wrong if you got to live with this crap team. All yeah. right, all right. Here, here, here's the thing about the Bears. Oh, is that oh, I have to give my okay. statistical update. David Montgomery, huge game, 27 carries, 135 yards, one touchdown. Mitchy, Mitchy, true, true. 23 of 35 for 253 yards and interception. Philip Rivers, 19 of 29, 201 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Mike Williams had a big game, 69 yards on three catches. Keenan Allen, seven catches, 53 yards. Melvin Gordon actually had a, a very nice touchdown run in this game, and they actually look to be getting the offense going. My question to you, Sean, was Matt Nagy the worst coach on Sunday? Or- no. No. No, I mean that was, that's that's what I was going to say is that I think he met he botched the end of the game. Uh, a very similar thing that Frank Reich did. It was a little it was a lot closer. It was like a forty one yard field goal, I believe. Uh, but he refused to try to get extra yards when he had an extra timeout, and the Bears actually ran the ball well for the first time all season. And it is 
excuse after the game makes no sense. He says they didn't even consider it because he was worried about a fumble or losing yardage. Uh, it, it, it's a terrible excuse. Every post-game press conference he has after a loss gets worse and worse because he's clearly feeling the pressure and he's getting defensive against reporters. Uh, and, you know, he quite frankly looks uh, not suited, you know, to deal with a bad season as a head coach. But I think coaching the NFL, I mean, this isn't rocket science, is really hard when you don't have a quarterback who can't make basic NFL throws that starting quarterbacks have to make nine out of ten times. And the sad part about this game is that it was actually probably Trubisky's best performance of the season, which is a really low bar. Uh, but hey, Sean, it, quickly, is would you have rather had Matt Moore in that game? Yeah, yeah. In, in this game, I think Matt Moore wins this game for the Bears. Uh I'm fine with them continuing to play Trubisky because they're not going to the playoffs and they should continue to, you know, I mean, why, like, I don't know. Why not? He's not going to ascend. He's not going to improve. It doesn't matter. But I understand, you know, the reasoning why you keep playing him. The problem is that even if you look at his stats, they look okay. The problem is that the interception he threw was downright terrible, and it was the kind of interception that you can just say – he did not even attempt to read the coverage. He knew where he was going to throw it before the play, did not realize the safety was going to be over the top. Easy interception. Uh, he fumbled, and uh, that was a key play because on the play before, Taylor Gabriel was running free right upfield. That is a touchdown if he hits him in stride and he misses him by five Thomas yards. Thomas Davis, 87 years old, was in coverage and 20 yards behind him. And the reason the Bears should have won this game, in addition to that missed field goal, I should point out, they also missed a field goal earlier in the game, is because they couldn't score in the red zone. And they couldn't, they can't score in the red zone because in the red zone, you need a quarterback who's precise, who has good timing, can put the ball on a body. He can't do that. He missed Allen Robinson on a slant over the middle, threw it way behind him. I feel bad for Allen Robinson every single week because he's putting up really good numbers and he's doing it with a guy who can't throw the ball. And so the reason why I don't blame Matt Nagy, the reason he gets cute with all these weird play calls and all that is because he doesn't trust his quarterback to make simple plays because his quarterback has demonstrated over and over again that he can't make simple plays. So, like, I wasn't disappointed in the loss, quite frankly, because I thought the Bears season ended last week, which it did. Um, and I'm kind of happy that Trubisky continues continues to play this bad because if he continues to play this bad that is the only thing that will force ryan pace to admit that he made a mistake and to move on from trubisky after this year because if trubisky plays okay enough matt or sorry ryan pace is not going to want to admit he made a mistake he's going to want trubisky to work out ryan pace needs to admit it as soon as the season is over then you got to go to plan b um and they should not trade for a quarterback this year because uh, they shouldn't be giving away draft picks for a season that is so clearly lost by the way let's see if we can hear matt nagy yeah i mean that's i'm not even going to get into that that's i have zero thought of of uh running the ball and have taken it up the chance of fumbling the football or you know they know you're running the football so you lose three four yards so that's uh that wasn't even in the in our process as coaches to think about that um you know we 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 were in field goal range before the scramble and then we got the scramble so that's that's that didn't even cross my mind no thought of throwing it there either throw the football yeah i mean just to try to get a little closer um <laughs> throw the football right then and there what happens if you take a sack or there's a fumble Game. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So no, there was zero thought of that. That's the. Look, I'll just be brutally clear. Zero thought of throwing the football. Zero thought of running the football. You understand me? That's exactly what it was. So it's as simple as that. Could you explain again why not running the ball? I mean, what, what what was? Did I just say that? Yeah. Yeah. I just what I say. Reasons. What was it? Fumble. 
And when they know you're running the football, you lose three or four yards. That, that was that. Is that a reflection? Of, I mean, is that? So this goes on for like another minute or so. Well, well, here's the thing: is he won't throw the ball is because he doesn't like he could have thrown the ball because if you have a quarterback that you trust to throw the ball away if nothing's there or to be accurate with the ball and hit an easy pass, you throw the ball in that situation. The reason he can't is because he doesn't have a quarterback who can do that. But you also need to like answer his rhetorical questions because he's being such. Uh, am I allowed to say jackass? Sure. Because that's what he sounds like there when he says, well, what's going to happen if I go and I take a sack? And the reporter answers, well, you'll lose the game. He's like, yeah, well, no, you actually had a timeout left. So if you take a sack, (laughs) you can call the timeout. Then you're forced to throw it. So you don't lose the game if you try to pass it. Also, have you watched your kicker practice it once at all? Did you watch him at all during the entire game? Not only did he miss a 33-yard field goal, but every single kick he tried was close to missing. And we're talking – uh, I think he kicked two field goals inside of 30 yards. These were, it was like Pinero was slightly off all day. And if Nagy or the special teams coach didn't notice that, that's something where the special teams coach goes up to Nagy and said, look, maybe we should put this a little bit closer uh, because 41 yards. Hey man, you saw him miss that 33 yarder earlier. So someone needs to go up and talk to him. If you don't trust your quarterback, then get a new quarterback. You can't just leave your kicker yes. hanging out to dry. You've got to get yardage there. When you are at the 21-yard line with 43 seconds left and a timeout, and that part about saying, oh, well, I'm not going to run it either because I could lose yardage, he kneeled. He called a kneel down that lost yardage. So that doesn't make any sense, and that's what someone should have said. Why are you worried about losing yardage when you called a play that lost yardage on purpose? Like, what are you thinking? It's just that's the most asinine end of press conference I've ever heard in a regular season game. He also said he didn't want to fumble, John. And if you look at the stat sheet, not <laughs> one running back fumbled the entire day. The only person that fumbled was Mitch Trubisky. And if you're worried about Mitch Trubisky fumbling the snap, just have David Montgomery take the snap and just run the ball two yards. <laughs> you had a you had a bachelor style contest before the season involving <laughs> circus games and parlor tricks to try and find a kicker because you thought that was your biggest problem, not this <laughs> joke of a quarterback that you've got to deal with. And then you get a couple of weeks into the season and you're letting this guy blast away from 50 yards like he's guaranteed to make it. And you, if he'd been five yards closer, that goes in and they win this game. 20 mile an hour wins too. That had yeah, yeah, the, the, the Chargers missed a field goal. In it's the almost like this guy is clearly the win. It's like this guy's well, Andy Reid's play or something. I mean, it's, it's really <laughs> tro- annoying to me, the Bears fan that we, they hired Andy Reid's, you know, Protege and the only quality that he shared Sean with Andy Reid. Sean was about is, like Sean was like like blitzkrieging his brow like with with like pained expression. The only quality they have in common is they can't manage the end of a game. That is the only quality they have in common. So I want to I want to mention a couple of things. Number one, this is a sad fact. Chicago, um, its offense has been held at 300 yards every game this year, and that streak d- dates back to 1975. Yes, I was alive. But and they, number two, they exceeded it. They had 226 yards when I checked just a second ago, unless I was looking at Oh, the they did? Oh, no, I might have gotten it wrong. I oh, thought no. I saw that. Keep going. So another thing I want to mention, and Sean actually is, if I understand him correct. 388 yards of offense in this game. Yeah, thank you. I, the, they, they snapped the, it. The Chargers oh. at 231. Okay, I was looking at the wrong line. So they Fun still, fact, uh, you're wrong. Fun Fair fact, enough. you just got dunked on. Fun fact, I'm not Matt Nagy. The other this thing guy is, is drunk. It felt like Sean. Same, was, same here, though. It felt like Sean was sort of support, uh, supporting Matt Nagy, and I think Matt Nagy is probably a bigger part of the problem than um, even Mr. Trubisky. And I want to read a couple tweets, one from my buddy Dan Orlovsky. After the first half, he said, I've watched every throw about Trubisky in the first half. 
one of them, just one, has been thrown with his feet set. And Sage Rosenfels, uh, former NFL quarterback who writes for The Athletic and actually is really good on Twitter, followed it by saying, I've watched every Bears offensive snap this season. I have zero interest in putting a young quarterback in that offense. Maximizes Trubisky's weaknesses, of which there are plenty. And he followed up by saying, especially a young guy in this offense, talking about uh, Trubisky and Nagy's offense, just a bunch of plays on a sheet and throw darts at it as if to choose the next one. That ain't Andy Reid, any shape, form, or fashion. I think Matt Nagy's a much bigger issue than um, Mitchie. What do you call him? Mitch Mitch True True? Mitchie Mitchie True True. I think we need a worse name for him now. For Nagy or Trubisky? Trubisky. Nagy, you, know, you know what's funny about Nagy? Is right before the double doink in that playoff game last year, he tried to move the ball forward. He threw a pass. So he's literally contradicting like his own inner coaching strategy in his own press conference. Somebody should have thrown that in his face. Speaking of the double doink, the Bears get the Eagles this week in Philadelphia, so that should be fun. Uh, hard to believe this team was three and one mm-hmm. just a month ago. The Bears are the worst team in the division. Yes. Yeah, ain't even close, really. Hey, Sean, what do you think about? And I think you tweeted about this, and I I had been thinking about it a little bit before, but oh, and, God. It, it, well. Are you are you fully grasping the fact that the Bears are just the Jaguars of the NFC? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're Trubisky's- more screwed. They are more screwed than Jaguars because they don't have draft picks, so they can't even. Uh, that's what I was tweeting about. Is it actually the Bears need to be the Jaguars because the Bears need to find a quarterback in the sixth round, like they did with Gard- like they did with Gardner Minshew this past year, because the Bears don't have a first round pick this year, uh, so they're not going to be able to get a top quarterback unless they somehow find a way to mortgage more of their future to trade up, which I would not advise Ryan Pace to do that. Um, because guess what? Even though Ryan Pace has drafted well in the middle rounds, not a really great track record at the top of the draft, I would say. And I think that's also a bigger problem in Chicago just in general, not this year, but long-term is Ryan Pace has done some good stuff. He's also done a lot of bad with the Trubisky decision, obviously. Trey Burton, by the way, what a, like that was not a good signing. And a lot of people hyped him up because he threw a pass in the Super Bowl. Um, turns out he's not that great at playing tight end, which is what the Bears signed him to do. Maybe they should put him at quarterback, though. Who knows? Hey, um, is it? would you like to apologize to me and say that the Bears' defense has regressed? No, because I said – I wrote an article saying they were going to regress – Okay, I was with you on the Bears regression. Uh-oh. Would you? Do you think that Bears fans should tweet me and say we're yes? Sorry. Bears fans this offseason were terrible. It was it was annoying. They were so cocky and confident because they went to the playoffs once. Settle down, like come on. Wow. Sean sounds a lot like Matt Nagy trying to defend his decision to to well, back up. Hey, let me ask quickly. Pass? What are you? What are you a moron who can't manage a football game? What? Are, who do you think you are? There's zero thought of passing there. Come on, get real. It's like uh, Matt, you lost. Let me ask. Let me ask you this question because Sean mentioned it in terms of the Bears' quarterback dire quarterback situation. Um, Sports Center tweeted this out earlier on Sunday evening. A picture of Tom Brady, Jimmy G, and Joe, uh, Jacoby Brissett all wearing Patriots uniforms, and, and this those three quarterbacks are twenty and two. And someone actually tweeted to, in response: Should you draft a quarterback every year if you're an NFL team? Because why not? Yes. Yeah. It's like well, taking a shot at the lottery. Tell Ryan Pace. Um. But at least he didn't yeah, draft he's going to he's going to trade up for a running back instead because that's the Bears' biggest problem. The Eagles salvaged their season, saved everything. They bounced back after a humiliating loss to the, to the Cowboys on Sunday. Uh, they beat the Bills thirty-one to thirteen. Eagles covered as a dog on the road. The over thirty-nine and a half hit despite terrible weather up in Buffalo. Miles Sanders 
had his first huge run for the Eagles, um, and then promptly got hurt. But uh, pretty, pretty good game here from uh, Philadelphia. A, hu- a must win. They're now back to four and four. Um, Jordan Howard had 23 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Carson Wentz, 17 to 24, 172 yards and a touchdown. Josh Allen, two passing touchdowns, but 16 to 34 for 169 yards. Yikes! And uh, Frank Gore and Devin Singletary, largely ineffective in the run game. Singletary did score in the passing game. Dallas Goddard, by the way, again, more yardage and a touchdown when Zach Ertz uh, didn't do much. Why are you are you sad, Ryan? You look sad. No, that's why. Would I, why would I be sad? I don't care. Good for him. Booing? Why are you booing? What's oh, because it was part of my when I was yelling at you guys about the first round pick and Carson Wentz for Jalen Ramsey trade we talked about a few weeks ago. It's almost like Zach Ertz is expendable. By the way, uh, Florio, I still have some time before the trade deadline. Mike Florio reported on Sunday night that the Eagles are, quote, it's like, I think his wording was like. <laughs> I like his wording. <laughs> it was like cooking up something pretty fun. It was like for the trade. It was pretty fun in quotes, yeah. What does like, that mean? The source told they him. They have that, something fun up their sleeves. Yeah, chili, like, chili cook-off? Slip and slide? <laughs> Crocodile <laughs> mile? Pancake Tuesday. Talk. Taco Tuesday. Um, bring back Chip Kelly smoothies. What? Uh, any thoughts on this game from you guys in general? I mean, it's kind Thirty-one of points on the Bills defense. Uh, Josh Allen. As we like to compare him to Mr. Bisky. He's he's got to get better. Um, I don't think he th- no he didn't throw an interception, but he had an interception. He fumbled the ball while running. And if you're going to be a running back, as Sean likes to joke, then you can't you can't fumble the ball because that will get you benched if you play for Matt Nagy. And it won't help the the Bills win football games in a division where they can't afford to lose them. It's a great take. Boston Scott scored in this game. Uh, awesome. The Bills are probably overrated at this point. Yeah, can I say the Bills defense? Talk about regression in top defenses. The Bills defense was the second best defense last year by most measures, including DVOA. Uh, they have not been as good as they were a year ago, and I feel like that's kind of flying under the radar. I believe they were like 14th in DVOA coming to the week, and the Eagles kind of had their way with them, especially running the ball. Uh, Miles Sanders had a huge run that kind of, for me, exemplified why he is the best back in that backfield better than Jordan Howard, because Jordan Howard does not have that top speed. It was a well-blocked run, and Jordan Howard would have gotten a lot of yards, but you just saw... Miles Sanders hit a second gear and torched everyone in that Bills secondary. Uh, Jordan Howard did play well, but uh, it concerns me like what Ryan said about Josh Allen, and it feels like if this team is going to go on a surprise Super Bowl type of run, they obviously aren't going to have home football games because they're uh, you know they're in the same division as the Patriots, and so if their defense is not playing lights out, they're going to have a lot of trouble winning a playoff game on the road. Yeah, it's weird. You start, you, you're like, man, like the Bills stink. They might not make the playoffs after all. Then you're like, oh, they have the Redskins, Browns, and Dolphins, and Broncos next. Oh, that'll help their defense. Yeah. And, and the Eagles, I thought this was the most impressive win, like dominating win, because the Bills defense has been good. Most impressive win of week eight. And, and the thing is, like the Eagles have been the most unpredictable team in football this year. They lost to Atlanta Falcons. That's the Falcons' only win was against the Eagles. Then we saw them go out and beat the Packers. Uh, and then they come back and they got smoked by the Vikings. So it's like, you don't know what this team is going to do from week to week. They play the Bears next week. 
that could win the game. They could lose the game. They could beat the Patriots. Like, and they play the Patriots in a few weeks. It's just, it, it, this team is so unpredictable because the offense is just, you don't know what you're going to get every week. Some weeks they can run. Some weeks they can pass. Some weeks they can't do anything. And, and so it is really weird to watch them play. I thought their defense did really well, but I don't know if that's because they faced Josh Allen or because they actually did really well. Speaking of teams that can't do anything, the Bengals lost 24 to 10 to the LA Rams in London. I mean, John, this team is terrible. Andy Dalton, 32 of 52, 329 yards and a touchdown. Joe Mixon, 70 carries, 66 yards. Uh, this Erickson guy who just showed up out of nowhere is ruining everyone's fantasy lives. He's been uh, around forever. You don't watch the Bengals every game? I don't. I, hate <laughs> I, I eat mayonnaise. I sit Brenton, you, have to, you have to do this in your English accent, man. This game was played in London. Give it the program. Hey, Johnny Air, look at the, look at the, I don't know. What, what's a, what's a word for like a pile of crap that, that you send, uh, like, like imagine like, what, what is this the equivalent of sending like to, to England? Like you're like, Hey guys, um, listen, it's like sending the Cincinnati Bengals to England. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Cooper Cup monster game, seven catches, 220 yards and a touchdown. Josh Reynolds also scored. Todd Gurley dove in for a touchdown, but Daryl Henderson was the leading rusher. Jared Goff, 17 of 31, 372 yards, two touchdowns. This is an okay game for the Andy Dalton still could lead the league in passing yards, uh, but not a great game for old uh, Zach Taylor, who is now 0 and 8 in his career. Do you think Zach Taylor will ever win a football game? No, I'm starting to think he will not. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get on the 0 and 16 bandwagon. That's where we're headed here. But you know what? I've been saying this every week. I sound like a broken record. But this was an entertaining football game. Uh, Usually, I will draw the line and turn a Bengals game off once I feel like it's out of reach. And for the most part, that hasn't been happening. We get to the late fourth quarter. I'm like, my God, they could still win this. It's insane. You know what the Bengals did today? They rushed for 104 yards. They were averaging 53 on the season, 53 per game. They had the literally the worst running defense in the NFL, somehow got 100 yards. So I hope everyone who had Joe Mixon in fantasy uh, didn't put him on the bench this week because he gave you about zero points the last five weeks, then comes out and explodes for 77 yards and a touchdown. That's exploding. Sport. If you're Joe Mixon. <laughs> this yeah. guy came out. Did, 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 you, did you hear the sentence you started with? you like, the Bengals ran for 140 <laughs> yards. But here's the thing. This was all – this is and, – and I know Ryan's favorite theory is that you have one coach, Sean McVay. You have a, a, his old assistant, Zach Taylor, and coaches hate to blow out. They never pile on on their ex-assistants because they feel guilty. And that almost is what it felt like in this game because the Rams did. They pulled out some trick plays, but it never really felt like they put their foot on the gas. I feel like this game maybe could have been 35 to 10. Uh, but McVay's like, no, we got our points. I know the Bengals aren't going to score 20. So we'll just get on the plane, get out of London. Jared Goff had an okay game. His stat line looked good, 372, uh, two touchdowns. But 17 to 31, he missed out a lot of throws. He threw two passes that should have absolutely been intercepted that kind of would have changed the complexion of this game. Uh, and God bless Andy Dalton. I know it's God save the queen there, but God save Andy Dalton because that kid, that guy gets beat up every that game. Kid. Like, I don't know how you make a decision on him when he just is running for his life every single game. He got sacked five times. You know, he's you making, you mean make a decision on he's him. He's not a rookie. 31, he's in the final year of his deal. 
He's gone, Breach. It's over. He's the Bears quarterback <laughs> next year. But Dalton is the ultimate. He is seeing ghosts every week. That's all. Because he his offensive line can't protect him. And whoever's playing behind that offensive line is going to be seeing ghosts. Because they're going to be spooked every time they're back there thinking the defender is going to get to them. Uh, so anyway, they're a disaster. And the Rams did exactly what they needed to. Didn't impress, but they won. And we didn't learn anything about them. By the way, listen to this stat. Are line. you are you in a are you on a mind meld with Devo? Are you Devo talking? Like Devo is literally uh, like slacking me questions. They're like we're like going back and forth, and like Breach has answered two of them. Like at the exact like Devo, have we learned anything new about the Rams in the past two weeks? He wrote that as Breach was saying we didn't learn anything new about the Rams. This Breach is, is very right bizarre. <laughs> Breach is right. All right. So listen, uh, let me tell you the stat line because if you didn't start this guy, you, you're an idiot. 17 uh, carries for 66 yards and no touchdowns. That's Joe Mixon. So if you didn't start that guy, you probably deserve to lose your fantasy game. And also hey, my conspiracy theory. He had a receiving touchdown. And four catches for 11 yards. Uh, my conspiracy theory holds. Zach Taylor covered. So that's a moral victory. No, he didn't. The, the Rams covered. No. What was, it, what was the line to open? 12. That's not true. I got rough a night, and a rough night for Ryan. Yeah. You just dunked on yourself. No, I got it at 14 and a half. I can show you the slip. <laughs> the slip. <laughs> you Old cannot school. show us the slip. <laughs> yeah. I cannot show you the slip. Um, narrator's voice. He did not have a slip. <laughs> Titans 27, Bucks 23. The Titans covered the minus two. The over of 45 and a half hit. Mike Evans had a monster day. I had a one fantasy team with Mike Evans and Cooper Cup. Spoiler. Than Joe Mixon? Uh, yeah, he did. He, uh, he actually had, um, a few more receiving yards and Joe, <laughs> this is the saddest thing ever. Bree is like, Joe Mixon ran for 77 yards. <laughs> 104 rushing yards, Bree, or Brenton, yeah. 104. Mike Big Evans game. had more receiving yards in the Bengals had offense in that game, I think. He had <laughs> 11 catches for 198 yards, two touchdowns. Um, James Winston also threw two picks because he's James Winston. Ryan Tannehill, very sharp again, 21 of 33, 193 yards. Three passing touchdowns. Janu Smith leading the way there uh, in six catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Felt like the Buccaneers – the Titans were up big in this game, and then the Buccaneers, like, stormed back out of nowhere, and then they gave the game away. And um, I just don't ever want to see these two teams play football again. Uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, John. I was just saying because I suffered through most of this game having lived in Nashville, and that being uh, my local game is that – the Buccaneers gave this game away in the first quarter, then kind of got it back, as Brent was mentioning, and then gave it away again in the second half. So this was like delivering two presents when you're only supposed to get one present. Uh, and here's what happened in the first half. We had a shotgun snap go through Jameis Winston's hands, and the Titans recovered it at the 10-yard line. So, boom, they go 10 yards and score a touchdown. Two Buccaneers possessions later, Jameis Winston throws, I would say, the worst interception of his career, but that's probably not possible because there are so many to choose from. But it was an ugly interception. There was no one in the area, literally no one except for two Titans players. He gets picked off. The Titans take over on Tampa Bay's six-yard line, score a touchdown three plays later. So now the Buccaneers are the, the Titans have moved the ball 16 yards in the first half, and they have two touchdowns, and they're up 14-3. to And that was basically the game after that until all the craziness happened in the second half. And um, we should note that the Bucks got screwed in this game by yes. an early whistle. Uh, they had a what was going to be a fumble recovery returned all the way 
late in the fourth quarter that would have given them a three-point lead and the officials blew the play dead. Yeah, that's rough. That was Bruce Every week. No, wait, the, the Titans were leading 20, 27-23. Yeah, yeah, the Bucks would have returned it all the way and they would have had Oh, right, yeah, that's right. Yep, 3.47 to go and they early whistle. Bruce Arians wasn't happy. Uh, and that's the point to emphasize that it was 3.47 left. So even the Bucks got the touchdown, it wasn't like the game was over. I've seen a lot of complaints from Tampa fans like the refs cost us the game. There was still over three and a half minutes left. If the Bucks have that touchdown, they would have been up 30-27. to 27. And that was actually on a field goal where the snap came in low. And I think Brett Kern was the holder, and he tried to run it. And he had no chance. He got clotheslined. For instance, I think you tweeted about it. It was like watching the Ultimate Warrior versus Barry Horowitz in 1992. Yeah. It was just uh, – uh, Vicious clothesline. Kern fumbled it, and then that's the one that should have been a touchdown, but wasn't. Right, here's, guys... fired, here's a fired up Bruce Arians talking about Jameis Winston. Turnovers early in the game. You fought back. Anything happens in the first quarter, you can overcome. We overcame them. The big drive. Uh, yeah, he wasn't that fired up, apparently. Um, that was a terrible. No, I saw that he had a quote about how he was saying the interceptions were on the receivers because they stopped their routes. Yeah, or something. Uh, one damn interception that, that was his fault. He did his receivers them down today. So, I mean, they're not going to go away from Jameis Winston anytime soon. By the way, Brashad Perriman still terrible. He dropped a pass and then um, I think he ran the wrong route on Jameis's last interception to, to officially end the game. Uh, I don't know how he run, run the wrong route on a bomb, but he ran. <laughs> he like ran out of bounds, ran to the locker room, and the ball fell right to the I think Logan Ryan for the Titans to wrap. Guys. See the uh, Buccaneers play inside the five yard line where they tackled themselves in the backfield. Uh, <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen this, look it up because Jameis is in a shotgun snap and on his right, he signals for the receiver to come in motion across the formation. Before the receiver crosses the center, the ball is snapped and Jameis hands it off to his running back. His receiver is still running in motion, so his receiver knocks out the running back just as he takes the handoff and they lose three yards. That is the Buccaneers season summed up right there. Sure. And now they're two and five. Can they still win the NFC South? No. No. What? If they had a better backup, Jameis would be benched by now. They don't. Would they bench him for Ryan Tannehill? Yes. And Blaine Gabbert? Saints 31, Cardinals 9. That's the team that's going to win the NFC South. The Saints dominated the Cardinals, covered the 12. Uh, 12 and a half. I think it was 10 and a half maybe when it closed. Uh, the under a 48 and a half hit. Cliff Kingsbury, no one, no one settles for field goals like Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Drew Brees returned to this game. He's a top fantasy performer with 30 points. Seven or, seven and one now. Fifth, seven and one start or better in Saints history. Um, only one of those obviously missed the, or won the Super Bowl and one has missed the playoffs. Breeze is 34, 43, 373 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He looked awesome. Teddy Bridgewater seemed happy. This is amazing how this just wasn't a thing. Like, you know, I sort of thought Breeze would come back and maybe struggle a little bit, but he, he just didn't at all. Mike Thomas, 11 targets, 11 catches, 112 yards, one touchdown. Taysom Hill caught a touchdown. Latavius Murray caught a touchdown and rushed for one. He was a monster. Um, no rushing attack whatsoever. Chase Edmonds, David Johnson was inactive for the Cardinals. David Johnson, I mean, Chase Edmonds left in the middle of this game. Kyler Murray, 19 of 33 for 220 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Charles Clay is leading the receiver. A very uninspiring effort from the Cardinals offense. Kyler Murray only had um, 13 rushes on two carries as well. And I'll just say this one thing about that game. The Saints top 500 total yards in their, in their win over the Cardinals for the first time since week one. The only other game Drew Brees had started and finished this season. Mm. They weren't. They didn't get vertical in this game, though. They didn't like attack uh, aggressively. They were 
fairly yeah, Breeze had taken Donkey to death. Yeah, for sure. But they were just conservative with Breeze, it felt like. And it was sort of almost like they were trying to figure out how his hand felt. But he was I, clearly, I don't think he looked bothered by it at all during this game. Yeah, and despite the final score, this was a 10-6 game. Yeah. And uh, the Cardinals had the ball midway through the third quarter, fourth and one at, uh, I think, their own 30-yard line. Is that is that when they yes. went for it on fourth and yeah, one? Yeah, fourth and so one. So they had fourth the and one from their own thirty. It's ten to six. Like, look, I we have called out Cliff Kingsbury for being too conservative on fourth downs earlier in the season. This was downright crazy. It is a four point game. You were at your own thirty yard line. They went for it. They didn't get it. And then so the Saints take over at the Cardinals' 30-yard line. They score five plays later, scored a touchdown, and then that's when the route was on. It was over after that. So literally, I mean, I, I love seeing a coach go for it on fourth and one, but not from their own 30-yard line against a high-powered offense. I'm fine Ooh. with it. Just I'm, I was going to say I, I, I'm going to criticize Kingsbury for it, but not for breaches reasons. I mean, I can understand not wanting to go for, obviously, a fourth and one for your own 30. I was fine with him going it, but the play call – was just a run up the middle into the teeth of defense. You have Kyler Murray. You have a guy, roll him out. He can run, pick it up with his legs, give him the option to throw. So it kind of feels like this is just like the you know microcosm of the Cardinal season is that there are some goods and you see them improving. Like we, like Breach said, we've been getting on Kingsbury for being too conservative. It seems like okay, he's adjusted now. He's going to go for it. He still makes a mistake with the play call. We see this in every facet. You know, we see uh, Murray improving, but he still has days like this where he wasn't that productive um, against. I will say though, a really good Saints defense, and they might be. I think they're in the conversation for obviously. Uh, for best team in the NFC, uh, I, the Saints know, obviously are, Saints are seven and one. They're going to their bye. They get the they had the Falcons left on the schedule twice. The Buccaneers once. The Panthers twice. We don't know what Cam Newton's status is going to be. Um, that the game in, in Week 14 against the 49ers is going to be an epic showdown potentially for the first uh, for the first overall seed. They do have the Colts as well. But I mean, like this team is on cruise control. I mean, it almost feels like we're not talking about them enough. I mean, the the one thing I remember, the, the the one quote about the Saints, I'll never forget, is their season is done. I can't remember who said it, um, but it was after Drew Brees got injured. Just kidding. It was you, Breach. You said they were finished, and now they're so I five. never said that a single time. <laughs> this is time. my I'm favorite running gag. My point, you're going to keep bringing it up, and I never, ever, ever once said that. I said they could not beat the Seahawks that following week, but I said as long as Teddy Bridgewater wins at least two games, that they could still win the NFC South, and he did win at least two games. So, Brinson, all I said they couldn't do was beat the Seahawks the game after Breeze got hurt. They beat Thank you. Good night and good luck. That's a lie. Fake news. Um, anyway, look, they're they're seven and one. They're waltzing to this division, right? I mean, like it would be a stunner yeah. if they didn't win this division. Um, again, Falcons out of the bye, then at Bucks, then Panthers at home, then at Falcons. I mean, they're going to win three of their next four what, minimum. It, what, what's incredible is like, yes. It's amazing they won these games with Teddy Bridgewater before Sunday. And they won the last two without Alvin Kamara. I mean, I think right now, Sean, I mean, I think I would always give coach of the year to Bill Belichick if it was actually the best coach. But I think Sean Payton, for me, is the coach of the year under the way the award is normally given up. Because I think he has survived so much that so many other coaches um, wouldn't have been able to. Uh, speaking of the Falcons, they lost, but they came back and actually covered against the Seahawks. 
27 to 20, the under hit of 49. Matt Schaub was your number one fantasy football performer in, uh, in this game. Truly amazing. Matt Schaub, Matt Moore, Ryan Fitzpatrick, all starting for football teams in the year of our Lord, 2019. Um, Seattle got up big early in this game. Uh, they were, they were leading, uh, 24 to nothing at halftime and then just sort of put it in, you know, first gear. The, the, um, we saw the, the, the Falcons sort of quote unquote storm back. I don't really know how close it was. It was really more like stomping in the back door. Um, Shaw 39 to 52. They let Matt Schaub throw 52 times, 460 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Russell Wilson, 14 to 20 for 182 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Chris Carson, 20 carries, 90 yards and a score. Tyler Lockett, again, magic year, week after week, six targets, six catches, 100 yards. Uh, was this just Ryan, uh, just a, a case of the Seahawks up early and then trying to get out of there and melt the clock? Yeah, I think so. Uh, JLC tweeted about this at halftime and he said the Falcons, who've been non-competitive all season, have now been outscored by 94 points in the first half. And you mentioned they were down 24 nothing. That's worse than the league. The next worst is the Jets at minus 69. So that should give you some idea how bad this Falcons team has been, especially in the first half. Uh, I will point out that Matt Shop's 460 yard total, passing total, that's only the fourth best of his career. So obviously you can trade Matt Ryan, get a bunch of draft picks, build around Matt Shop and be ready to go. One other thing I want to mention. <laughs> Uh, let's see, see here. By the way, did you see the, the, the shot of Shaw that they tweeted out? The Falcons tweeted out. Uh-huh. It's like, it, they were like, let's go. And it's like a picture of Matt Shaw walking in and like, people were like zooming in and for whatever, I don't know how this happened, but like he has, he had these spaces between his, uh, beard and his, uh, sideburns. Like he had like, I like gotten a haircut before the game and then didn't shave or something. So it was like these like little thin like areas of like no hair. It was very bizarre. And that's what people notice when you're a terrible football team. But the Falcons went for it on fourth and short. I think it was in the fourth quarter, and they converted. And here's my thing, and it was in their own half. Dan Quinn would never do that if they were like five and one right now, or five and two, or whatever. Why do you have to be a terrible football team with nothing to lose before you decide to do what makes the most sense to help your team win a football game? And that is the second worst thing after doing whatever Andy Reid did at the end of the game when he punted from his own 40-yard line from fourth and three. By the way, Arthur Blank said that he would um, – he is, quote, extremely disappointed, um, and he's going to, quote, think really hard about what to do uh, with Dan Quinn. In the uh, in the in the off season, let's see if we can find this clip. Real off quick. season or the uh, bye week? Or, excuse me, the bye week. Let's see if we can get this going here. You know, I'm extraordinarily disappointed um, in the season. Uh, nobody would have anticipated one to seven, and uh, you know, the lack of consistency. Today was a prime example of that. We're down 24 nothing. If we just played the second half, we would have won the game, but it doesn't work that way. So uh, we'll take the next couple of weeks um, during this five period of time and uh, evaluate where we are and, you know, whatever decision we have to make and be made for the right reasons for the long term. Um, we certainly have a lot of intelligence on this coaching staff here. Right now we have other head coaches and you know, we've got, you know, three general managers in the building beyond Thomas, or actually four, including Lewis McKay. So. Mm. Mentioning multiple general managers and multiple and all the smart coaches. Sounds like he's ready to fire somebody. That is the sound of an owner who is absolutely firing Dan Quinn in the next seven days, if not in the next 48 hours. Because, look, 
two weeks ago he was saying, uh, you know, we'll wait till after the season to evaluate things. Now he's saying, oh, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going to evaluate things this week, and somebody's going to be kicked out the door. And if this wasn't the ultimate, I want my coach to get fired first half from a team, I don't know <laughs> what was. Because that the Falcons went out there and fell flat on their face. Um, I'm sure, Sean and Ryan, you probably hated the fact that early in the game, first quarter, the, the Falcons actually drove down to Seahawks territory. They had a fourth and one. And we talked about Dan Quinn getting aggressive in the second half. They had a fourth and one from the Seahawks' 33-yard line. So it was go for it or try a 51-yard field goal with your 45-year-old kicker. What would you guys do? Go for it. It's not even a question. Seahawks' defense isn't even good. So they don't go for it. They try the 51-yard field goal. Matt Bryant misses. That sets up the Seahawks at uh, the 41-yard line. They take over possession. Seahawks drive down, score a touchdown. Later in the half, they try a 53-yard field goal, a little more sensible because it was 4th and 10. Bryant misses that, sets up the Seahawks once again in good field position. They drive down, score a touchdown. That was the story of the Falcons' first half. It was a disaster. I will be shocked if Dan Quinn is still their coach when they are playing on the field again in Week 10. And I want to throw in one fun fact because Ryan said Matt Jobs' 460-yard performance, not even top three of his career. Here is your fun fact. Matt Schaub has the second highest single game passing total in NFL history. That is something that you could probably get a lot of people with. Number one is Norm Van Brocklin with 554. Number two is Matt Schaub with 527. It's a great fun fact. I give you that a four out of five. That's better than the Wisnowski fun fact? <laughs> yeah. Brian, it's, you've overtaken me as the worst fun factor on this podcast. <laughs> Of also, course, don't unfortunately do for Breach, he failed to mention that Warren Moon also has 527 yards. So technically, it's a tie for Matt Schaub. Well, he's still in second of all time. He's still throwing the second most. Do you know yeah. who's tied behind? Come the king, Brenton. You better not miss. Do you know who's tied behind for fourth behind Warren Moon and Matt Schaub? I do. <laughs> because <laughs> he's my hero from when I was a child. Ken, Ken Anderson? Ben Roethlisberger. That's right. Uh, you were half right, and he was all right. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger's tied with Boomer Esiason. Ah, oh, dang it. Isn't that crazy? Breach is uh, hero got- when he was a kid and Breach is hero for when he's an adult. I don't know how it's not Ken Anderson who had a mustache that was thicker than his dad's mustache back in the 80s. And won NFL MVP in 1981. Take that. All right, what else? All right, the Giants. The Lions. Matt Patricia and the Lions. Took down the Giants, although the Giants managed to cover in a very annoying fashion. Uh, they covered the six and a half. The over of 49 and a half hit uh, fairly easily. Lions 31, Giants 26. Daniel Jones had a huge fantasy day, 35 points. Uh, Matthew Stafford also had a big day, 25 at 32, 342 yards, three touchdowns, and a, a terrible pick. But by and large, looks very good. Um, he passed Joe Montana for 19th most passing yards in NFL history. Kenny Galladay, six catches, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Daniel, Danny Dimes, 28 of 41, 322 yards, four touchdowns and a fumble loss. He's the fifth rookie in Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl era to have at least 300 passing yards and four touchdowns on the road and the first Giants rookie in the Super Bowl era with, uh, 300 passing yards and four touchdowns in that same situation. Unfortunately, he did fumble, and it led to the giant to the the Lions winning. Um, any, uh, I don't know. I felt like the Lions pretty much dominated this game. 
felt kind of easy. I don't think they dominated, but I mean, it, the game they got out of hand early, and the the Giants tried to mount a comeback. I thought Darius Slayton played well. I don't know if he has any. If it, fantasy people care about Darius Slayton, the rookie. Sure. Okay, he had two touchdowns, and he seems to be coming on, so that's nice. And it wasn't so much a fumble as as much as Daniel Jones throwing the ball, firing the ball behind the line of scrimmage as far as he could, and it was picked up for a touchdown. But uh, everything else, uh, I agree with. Oh, I do have a, a a funner fact than John's about Matt Prater. Nervous for you. I dare you. Do you want to say it, John? Do you know it? No. Oh. Matt Prater came into that game ha- having made seven straight from 50-plus yards, and then he honked a 53-yarder. Wah, wah. Your fun fact is that Matt Prater missed a 50-yard field goal? <laughs> no, he made seven in a row from 50 yards coming into the game. Well, that would have been a fun fact to say the last time he hit a 50-yard field goal. I did say it. You don't want to listen to me. My uh, my takeaway from this game is that Matthew Stafford continues to fly under the radar as one of the best quarterbacks of this season. And what the change happened, uh, we talked about this last week, is the fact that they're letting him throw the ball downfield. And that doesn't mean you're going to get a perfect Matthew Stafford. You mentioned that interception he threw, which was downfield. It was in a double coverage. He never should have thrown it. He's always going to make those mistakes. But when you let him air it out, He's also going to go throw for 342 yards, average 10.2 yards per attempt. It's crazy I'm saying this because of how much Seahawks fans hated Daryl Bevel. But, man, I wish Daryl Bevel was still in Seattle coaching Russell Wilson because I would like to see Russell Wilson with Daryl Bevel instead of Brian Schottenheimer. Mm. Yeah, Stavros, Stavros are good. Where do we stand on uh, Danny Dimes and the hype surrounding him? Pretty pretty big game for him to come in and actually play well against Detroit, um, considering that – he, you know, he had that Tampa Bay game. They won that one. Everybody got all jacked up, and then he, st- he sort of struggled the last few weeks. But a nice game against uh, Detroit. Yeah, and it, it would have been. E- I was just saying, it would have been easy for him to just kind of fall flat because that turnover happened in the first quarter, the one that Ryan was talking about, where he literally threw the ball backwards. It wasn't a fumble. It goes in the record book as a fumble, or the the game book, the score book. But he threw it backwards. He threw it backwards. And uh was aiming for Saquon Barkley and missed by about 10 yards. By the way, Saquon didn't dive on that. That was bad by him. He could have jumped on it and saved the ball, and he was like sort of stared at it. The Lions player picks it up. I'm tired pick- of doing everything for the team. He's like, look, man, I, I'm not, if you can't throw <laughs> the ball past the line of scrimmage, I'm not going to go hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, he just came back from an ankle injury, man. What do you Cam want? Cam would have gotten murdered for not diving on that ball. I'll just say I'm this. I'm with after, on this. After he threw oh, please. After he but threw he looked ball, good after that. Yeah. After Danny Dimes threw the ball 40 yards behind him, Going forward, he actually played really well. And my question would be, how would Eli have responded? And Eli would have responded with 12 interceptions and four more fumbles. So I'm fine with Danny Dimes playing, and I think he, he is getting better. All right. Final game, Jets 20 – no, Jags 29, Jets 15. The Jags covered the minus seven. The over 40 hit. Gardner Minshew, 29 fantasy points. Um, the Jags apparently mocked Sam Darnold throughout the entire game with ghost references. And uh, now teams that – Played the New England Patriots uh, the week after our two and six straight up. Did you see they also, the Jets in the stadium, uh, sorry, Jaguar Stadium, they played a montage of all of his worst plays from the game and they did the Ghostbusters theme over the top. No, they did not. Yeah, yeah someone, did. yeah. Rich, Rich Simini tweeted that out. Sean, do you know the Ghostbusters theme? You didn't know the A-team theme last week. No, I did not know the Ghostbusters oh, theme. So you'd have been the sitting there with no idea why they're playing that no, crazy but, but, music. But someone uh, someone tweeted a caption, so I was able to know what it is. You you didn't know what the Ghostbusters theme was? I wouldn't have been able to recognize it in that video with the crowd noise. If you played the Ghostbusters theme, yes, I know. Sean, who are you going to call? Oh, my God. No the answer. Ghostbusters. <laughs> 
that's what I just did. That is messed up, man. And that, that <laughs> yelling, great. Come on. Hey, why, why, yelling why, as Pete Frisco at the Jaguars Stadium. They played the Ghostbusters theme song. By the way, here is uh, Jamal Adams talking about uh, how frustrated he was. Losing is not my – it's nobody's thing, right? But it's, it, I don't come from losing. You know, I don't, I don't really – I don't know how else to say it, man. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, you know, they say it makes, it makes – you see what type of man you are when you go through adversity, when you go through hard times. But it's tough. I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it each and every day. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I feel like I got to play better. I mean, this the the Jets feel like they're sinking into somewhere dangerous here. What does that mean? I mean, like everybody gets fired and it gets blown up. I mean, this is a. I know this is a tough game. It's like on the road. The Jags are, are sort of desperate. They're trying to stay in to stay in the hunt. But I mean, like Darnold was bad. He had three picks. I mean, he was sacked yeah. eight times. And at some point, like Adam Gase needs to, I don't know. Maybe, I, I mean, I felt like they were going to rip off. I mean, what, what did I say? They were going to get, make a playoff run. Yeah. You said, push? no, no, you qualified it. They're going to make a push, whatever that yeah. means. I mean, I by said, the way, does, does Adam Gase save himself by saying after the game, I feel like I haven't helped him enough in terms of, Adam, of, of Sam Darnold? Um, no. Adam Gase is one and nine in his last 10 games. <laughs> And you know what that one win was? The Miami Miracle. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. And also, that has been like some sort of great symmetry of life because the Dolphins have not won since the Miami Miracle. And Gase's only win is the Miami Miracle. And okay, so, he's definitely won this year once. No, the Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have not won since they beat the Patriots. Oh, sorry. So that wasn't the last win. I saw some stat about the since Miami miracle. He's oh, only won one game since. He's only won one game since the Miami. Gotcha. Yeah. And the Dolphins have zero. So the Dolphins and Adam Gase are combined like one in twenty five since the Miami Miracle. Is that right? That sounds something yes. about right. Soldiers uh, Bill Belichick on a on a Hail Mary play. And... When when the Jets hired Adam Gase, we talked about and there was a discussion about how many games he won by one score in Miami. And the question was, does that indicate, you know, he's a good coach because he manages late game situations and he gets the most out of his talent? Or does that indicate he got really lucky and his record should have been a lot worse? I feel like where you are, it's becoming clearer and clearer. It's probably the latter. Uh, Chase Stewart, football perspective, tweeted this out after the Jets loss. He's, so Adam Gase has coached in 56 games now in his career. His teams are actually more likely to lose by double digits than they are to win a game. So mm-hmm. he's lost 25 games by double digits, and he's only won 24 games in his career. Yikes. And so, this loss, uh, real quick, Wilson, this loss came 10 days after Sam Darnold was quoted as saying, this has nothing to do with ghosts, before the Patriots game. Sam Darnold said, once all the guys are back together because everybody had to get healthy, I think we're unstoppable as an offense. So Sam Darnold said once the team gets healthy, they were going to be unstoppable as an offense, and they have, in fact, been very stoppable over the past two weeks. Mm. Um, Our buddy Aaron Schatz tweeted this out um, early Monday morning, the playoff odds of Football Outsiders. The the average wins for the Jets, they must be smoking what you're smoking, Brinson, because they have the average wins going forward for the rest of the season. Um, 6.1 wins this season. Oh my God! Did you see that Jackson Deville dressed up as a ghost? The Jaguars mascot. What did that look like? Well, 
Actually, it looks like they put a uh, giant white sheet over him. And that's uh, a good idea in, in South in North Florida. Yeah, that's probably not. We uh, do. Gardner Minshew, by the way, he kind of struggled the last couple of weeks. Um, I wouldn't say he was terrible the last couple of weeks, but definitely wasn't the Gardner Minshew Minshew mania that we saw at the beginning of the year. He was incredible in this game. I know it was against the Jets defense. Um, there was a couple touchdown passes or a couple just plays where he did so well to extend the play outside the pocket, kept his eyes up, made throws downfield. Uh, I mean, we talked about this in the bear section briefly, but the Jaguars have absolutely found uh, their franchise quarterback, I think. And, Obviously, with Nick Foles going to be ready at some point soon, I don't think there's any debate anymore, right? Like, it's I don't think anyone could argue for Foles getting. Oh, so I think the tele, people on the telecast were arguing for Foles, and I didn't agree with that. I don't remember who called that game, but I, I can't imagine a situation where you go back to Nick Foles when he hasn't played in seven weeks or whatever. Mm, I can see him go to Foles because they paid a bunch of money for him. Depends on what the record is when he comes back. When does he uh, come back? All right, uh, let's get out of here on this. I don't care. It's Jet Chat. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to end this. Tired. Mm. We're, we're past 90 minutes. Mm. All right, let's go. Uh, this is from Renovation J on Apple Podcasts. Are the super, fa- super fans, super friends, going to dress up in superhero costumes in honor of Halloween next week? After all, Pete Prisco dresses up in his Crypt Keeper costume every day. <laughs> uh, what are we, Good bird. What, so what are you guys going to wear for Halloween? You won't believe this, but I hate Halloween and I don't dress up. I turn my lights off. Don't I don't turn my lights off. Actually, I'm very you nice. Believe, to, you have a 12 year old. You have to go trick or treat. Uh, what do you dress as? I'm not dressing up. Be crazy. So you dress up as a bitter old man who hates life. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys will believe this, but I completely agree with Wilson. I hate dressing up for Halloween. I will not be dressing up. And if I do, it will be some lame. I put on a soccer jersey and pretend right. I'm a soccer player. Are you kidding me? I love Halloween. I know. really. You you got punched in the face by a wrestler just so you could be on television. <laughs> Halloween top TV. Three. It wasn't even TV. Halloween's my number one holiday. Halloween's number one. That. I have top three. I don't know Halloween is your favorite holiday. What about yeah. Flag Day? Are you five? June fourteenth. Um, Dude, going to ad- adult Halloween parties are the best. Yeah, I will go so, to the parties. Yeah, you dress can dress up, up and act like an idiot. It's awesome. Yeah. I would. Wait, I would wait, imagine. How is that different from Halloween. you normally going to parties? Well, it's you. You a little bit more freedom. Um, yeah, it's like a little the, more uh, freedom with the with the hair implants. Do you have a special appointment so they can take out your hair and you know give you a Breach, different look? Breach, do you love Halloween too? Because I would guess that you do. Oh uh, yes, yeah, so it's one of my three favorite holidays. I dress up every year. What Usually, I this year? I try to. It has to be timely. I think my favorite costume was like 2005 when I was Chris Hansen. Uh, from Dateline NBC, and I carry stool around the whole night. I was like, you know, the, to catch a predator guy. Super round? Oh, I thought you meant one of the Hanson brothers. Like you're like the drummer, you were a blonde wig, a Chris. Oh no, no, no. Gotcha. Uh, I um. And what? Yeah, Brenton, what are you? One of my favorite recent costumes. I was uh, I was Kurt Cobain, and my wife was Courtney Love. That was fun. Oh, that's a good one. Were you uh, dead or alive, Kurt Cobain? Both. <laughs> Zombie Kurt Cobain. Uh, um, this year, uh, unfortunately, I was going to be Gardner Minshew. But then I was told I cannot wear a mustache and jean shorts around our neighborhood. So instead, I'm going to be Night Ninja. Oh, right, yeah. I saw Robbie's picture yeah. on Facebook. He looked, he looked really good at his Robbie school. is Romeo. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty good picture, yeah. Um, My pretty, favorite Halloween costume of all time, by the way. You guys could probably guess if I gave you two guesses. Aria. Okay, next question. Mitchell Trubisky. Dressed Darth Vader. Come on. Oh, Darth Vader. 
All right. I had the full helmet, not not this dumb half face. I had the full helmet. Yeah, the dumb half face doesn't work. I have a full helmet around here somewhere. One of my kids has. It's um, it's legit. All right, go ahead, Brenton. Breach, what are you gonna be? I haven't decided yet, but I might be a penguin. Uh, cousin, cousin it from Adam's family. Will anyone know cousin it besides me? Uh, I might be the delivery guy, Ace Ventura as the delivery guy at the beginning scene of the Ace Ventura movie. Uh, yeah, you gotta go extra obscure. Um, I thought you say delivery guy and the, and the, the pizza guy in the porno. Or I might be AC Slater. I just need to put a general twirl. Go with AC. One of the, you know, that's saved, by the, bell, saved by the bell, Sean. It's a show. Yeah, I, I don't, I stopped listening once he. And Branson can be, um, what's it, Kurt, what's the other guy's name? Zach, Zach Morris. Morris. Yeah. And you guys oh, that'd be fight. Perfect. You can play out the fight scene. They are superheroes. All right. Uh, again, we'll come back and answer some more questions from iTunes or Apple Podcasts, excuse me, on Monday night after the, uh, after we do that and, uh, have a show preview in the Monday night football game up tomorrow with Dubin and Jason Lockenfora. Talk to you guys tomorrow.